Hello and welcome to Still Buffering, a cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. We're, we're back. I mean, they, they probably don't think we went anywhere, but we, we did. Yeah, that's to, true. Them, to them, we never that's, left. That's true. That's true. That's what Nicolas Cage says. I'm back. Not that I went anywhere. <laughs> that's what he says. What that, he says. That, that movie is so good. You should name the movie. When I you, was going to say, you can't just do that thing that, that dad does. Like, oh, that movie. I remember that the one, movie. The one with Nicolas Cage, you know? And you he's know the, real. the one that he's in. And he's real intense in this one. <laughs> the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yes. That was a fantastic film. I, I enjoyed it very I've much. seen it twice so far. <laughs> and it hasn't been out long enough for me to have already seen it twice. We almost watched it a third time the other night. Justin was like, do you want to just watch that movie again? <laughs> Look, I do love that movie. Uh, so we have not been, we have been releasing episodes, but they were recorded in advance, which is not usually our style. Yeah. Well, for, it was for a good reason, though. Riley was, was traversing the globe. I was abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> abroad, all one word. Uh, not uh, abroad. <laughs> I mean, you are, you are abroad. You I'm are abroad. abroad. <laughs> I was abroad abroad. <laughs> there you go. Um, no, Why was, didn't you do a blog called that? <laughs> I don't I'm know. sure nobody has thought of that ever. I'm sure there is no <laughs> blog out there called that. Yeah, I bet no one has ever done that before. <laughs> Entirely original thought. Um, if it is, then TM, 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 TM. TM. <laughs> no, I, uh, I was in England for three weeks. Mm. How was it? Hot. Of uh, yeah. course, the one the one year I, I was supposed to have gone for the last two years, and finally this year, it's like, well, things I guess are safe enough for you to go now. So I go, and of course, the year I get to go, England has a historic heat wave. It was the hottest it has ever been there. Uh, and also, Oxford has no air conditioning, so. <laughs> <laughs> or at least Exeter College doesn't, I guess. Maybe others do. It seems like all the colleges are old <laughs> so, well, they are old. They haven't been updated. <laughs> much they've been since. there a while. Um, since so, they were built. <laughs> yeah, I mean now they have like fire alarms. That's an update. That's I would good. guess. I bet That's they've good. been updated some. That well, if you took the time to install fire alarms, I feel like leaving out air conditioning is just personal. It feels intentional. <laughs> it's I. I think it fits. Like I always think that like. British people are kind of tougher, like, you know, stiff upper lip, keep calm, carry on, that, mm-hmm. that whole thing. We don't need air conditioning. We're fine. Are window units not a thing there? I mean, I'm sure they exist. I don't know. I mean, like, could they not at least have gotten like the, I don't know, don't the they have ones that go in the windows? But don't they have like a, like a, a fancy code? Like a, maybe, maybe window units would, would take away from the aesthetics of the, the, the historical buildings. I wonder yeah. about that. Yeah, that's a good point. It's true. It would Windows not look as appealing. Very much. Yeah. The dreaming spires of Oxford and the window units <laughs> true. among them. Although my window to my room was above a, a chocolate shop, not Oxford. So that's cool, uh, though. Yeah. I don't know how... Uh, how dreamy it was being did, above the noops. Did you get on the roof? No. Mm. <laughs> Sydney, did, did you? I would. That would have uh, been against the rules. So no. 
Oh, okay. That would have been a, a rule break. That's really been my favorite thing about this whole trip is going on the same trip that Sydney did is the whole time I was before I went was do all these things I did. And then after I've been back, it's why didn't you do all these things I did? Because they were all illegal or dangerous or both. And pre-pandemic. <laughs> there were still so many things you couldn't do. Well, I'm sorry. That's okay. I understand it. That country was a lot smarter than us. You in, went to in pubs? lockdowns. You went to pubs? I did. Yeah. I did. You went on day trips? You went yeah. to London? I did. Yeah. You did. That's the... It is not as important that you break the rules. It's, it's just you. important that you had fun. Thank you. That's all I encouraged you to do is not just study. Yeah, studies, studying's fine, but don't just study. I didn't do much studying, I'll be honest. That's fine, too. I, I went after I graduated in the graduate program there because it's mostly adults. And yes, I am an adult, but I mean adults like <laughs> actual adults. Like these are people that, actual are, adults. that are like high school teachers, college professors going to like you know, extend their education on a specific topic to get like, you know, extra certification or a pay raise or whatever at their, at their home mm -hmm. institution. Um, I, so I was the youngest one probably by about 10 years at least in all of my classes, but you don't have to write the essays because the professors are like, Hey, you're all adults. You're choosing to be here. Write them yeah. if you want. I can't <laughs> stop you. You're not getting graded for this. That's so cool. I, I didn't. I just, you know, talked to <laughs> class. Ask, did you did you write any of the essays? No. Oh. No, mean, I did not. You could have just written an essay for fun and you didn't? I, I could have written an essay for fun. And if I wasn't about to start law school, I may have been more inclined. But also part of me was like, I'm going to have to read 500 pages every week for the rest of my life. I'm done. Taylor, <laughs> do you feel like you've reached the point of being an actual adult? Mm, uh, you know... <laughs> and I feel like yes in that like I don't I'm not one that like subscribes to oh I have to do some adulting today like every day of my life is adulting I am an adult I just think that I don't care about being an adult in the way that I thought or perhaps was taught an adult is like I yeah no I, I know what you're saying because I was sitting here thinking am I an actual adult and by all standards sure I'm responsible for small humans. That's very adult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I do doctor stuff. That's I guess that's adulty. But I don't know. I, I, I am operating under the theory. I don't think anyone ever feels like whatever you thought adults were like when you were a kid. I feel like that's a moving target. I still don't feel like I'm the adult that I thought adults were when I was a child. And so I don't know when that. When do you like look at yourself and you're like, yes. Adult, yes. Firmly oh. planted yeah. in adulthood. I, I used to be sad thinking about how, wow, there's someday I'm going to wake up and I'm going to want to not read my comics anymore and get rid of all my action figures and I'll have to buy a bunch of clothes that are beige. And that's going to be sad for me. I hope that day doesn't come. And then it didn't, is the thing. I I don't know. I still like all those things. But yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I think... I'm an adult in that, yes, I'm in my 30s firmly, and I, I pay my taxes. I don't know. What else do you want from me? <laughs> it's been funny watching that thought process take place real time with Charlie, because I remember she used to say I was also a kid when she was little, and I was. I was like 16. Mm -hmm. um, but then I turned 18. She's like, well, no, you're still basically a kid. When you're 21, <laughs> you'll be an adult. And then I turned 21, and she's like, well, no, 
adults are more like mm, 22, 23. <laughs> I said, okay, so in less than a month when I'm 22, I'll be an adult. Mm, well, maybe more like 24, 25. <laughs> she just refuses to acknowledge uh, that I am no longer also a kid with her. I think she thinks we're on the same wavelength, like socially You're and culturally. <laughs> yeah. So I can't be an adult because she's obviously still a kid. So got to wait for her to catch up. Mm. Which, if I do, and I wait until she's 18, then, you know, yeah, I'll be in my 30s paying my taxes. So there we go. Is that when you're an adult, when you pay taxes? I mean, I pay taxes right now, so does that make yeah. me an adult? Well, I just feel like that's as much of, like, a, a, a adultiness that I'm willing to, like, like, I, that should, that should, I don't, I don't need to prove it beyond that. I pay my taxes. I, I pay my bills. I support myself. I'm allowed to do whatever I want outside of that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I saw somebody tweeting about how, like, you should have adult friends who talk about, like, cardio and finances or Stocks. something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel was like, like, oh, I do not. If that's if that's the marker, I'm not there. Can you imagine having an ex- and I'm saying this is somebody <laughs> that runs like five miles a day, having an extended conversation about cardio. What no. is, What is that? If I heard that taking place at like the table next to me at a restaurant i'm like oh no the invasion has begun the aliens are here <laughs> they're trying to, they're trying to fool us but clearly those are not humans because they have had a 30 minute conversation about cardio <laughs> i've had an extended conversation about cardio before what yeah maybe you'll be an actual adult before we are <laughs> i mean it's been a while since that happened but i have had one in my life I mean, it sounds like you were forced, though. Perhaps not enjoying it. No, I'm shame. I'm ashamed to admit that out loud. <laughs> it was fun. I mean, in the moment, I was engaged in this conversation. Well, I think that's the important thing is that you're enjoying it. I think that it there, like, if that is adulthood, I don't know that I would ever enjoy that conversation. So then it's like, what? What? When do I become an adult? Then? I mean, I'll never enjoy a conversation about stocks or but, yeah. investments. So. I'm only halfway but, there. But we've also established, like, I don't like small talk. I don't Sydney understand the purpose. Sydney likes to get real, real fast. I do. I Hi, just I'm wanted... Sydney. Nice to meet you. What's your deepest fear? <laughs> <laughs> do you have any childhood traumas you'd like to share with me? If you had to murder just... one person in this room, who would it be? Just go. Just say it. Go. <laughs> I like to get into, like, uh, like, I was at a gathering last night, a very small gathering, not a big party, just you know some friends our kids were there it wasn't a wild party the kids were present some other kids were present don't worry we know you did your wild partying on the roof in oxford i i will deny that there's no proof um but like i was talking about like how i I was having a lot of conversations about improvements we could make for like medical outreach in our community and like uh innovative ways to help people experiencing homelessness like these are the conversations i wanted to have in this room i didn't want to talk about like the cheese. The cheese was great, but I didn't want to talk about the cheese. Like, I ate oh, that- some cheese while I talked about other things. I like talking about cheese. I, I would talk about cheese. You but, like talking about cheese? Yeah. I, well, hey, you know, before I was a <laughs> vegan, I was, I, I, I mean, I've worked in restaurants for a long time. I have strong opinions about cheese. I have, I, maybe that's the difference, though. Like, you think cheese is small talk. Have you ever... Talk to somebody that's really into cheese. Big cheese, cheese is, talk. Cheese is their thing. Oh no, I don't. Yeah. I don't see. I don't know. 
I don't know how I can handle that. I do like to eat cheese. I like cheese. And I, I recognize that there are different kinds of cheese. <laughs> I know that. I think it's all relative. For You know, that's small talk for you. But for someone that's really invested in, say, a cheesemonger, I bet a cheesemonger would have very serious conversations about cheese and the state of cheese and how can we advance cheese forward. So, you know what? Don't discount cheese talk. That's okay. Your, well, I mean, your I, thing is cheese talk to somebody. And However, if someone came up to me and said small talk to them was that they work in finance and they want to talk to me about my investment opportunities Ugh. and what I'm doing with my money to make the most out of my money, I'd be like, no, thank you. Well, but that person's trying to sell you something. Well, or <laughs> it's like one of those finance bros that comes up to you at a bar like, hey, I work in stocks at a <laughs> hedge fund. What are you doing with your money? I bet you don't know anything about investments. You're a woman. Let me teach you. That's not small talk to me. No. That's infuriating. Oh, has that ever happened? To someone. (laughs) (laughs) Theoretically, yes. We were talking about people that want to talk about stocks and finances now. It makes them an adult. I was trying That's to picture true. someone walking up to you and saying, hi, I work in stocks. Hey, I'm moving to D.C. I'm trying to prepare myself for all the people I'm going to meet. I mean, I, I, I will say I've definitely heard uh, like finance bros talking at a bar like while I'm yes. bartending having that conversation where they're both talking about things that I know nothing about and they're very excited about it. And to that, I mean, I mean, like that's, you're enjoying the conversation. That's something you both can relate on. That's fine. Uh, but it, I, maybe it's, it's not that there's any like topics that these are adult topics and then these are like silly childhood topics. It's that whatever you're passionate about, it's good to talk to people that are passionate about the same things. There's just no like right or wrong there. Just talk, you know. Like, well, no, yes. Some that qualify you as an adult and some that qualify you as a non-serious person. Our exactly. mom really likes talking about salmon. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And that's no. good. And I think that's fine. That's what, if it pleases you to talk Famous about cardio, game. Riley, please talk about cardio. <laughs> I mean, and I have Taylor, in a if while. you would like to have an extended conversation about cheese, have that conversation. It was just, we were at you the gym, so it fit the scenario. Yeah. Well, that is true. I, I mean, there's not much else to relate over when you're at the gym. Exactly. Talking about various kinds of cardio, cons, pros, (laughs) (laughs) what we enjoy, what we don't enjoy. Anyways. Anyway, we have talked long enough about Uh, other things. Talking. Um, What are we, what what is our topic today, Tay? Uh, Our topic today is uh, the musician Elliot Smith. Um, The, I, it was introduced to his music, actually not till college. Uh, uh, so Elliot Smith passed away in 2003, I believe. And I actually didn't, like, my freshman year of college was 2004. So my freshman year roommate was a huge Elliot Smith fan and introduced me to him. And it was, you know, after most of his music had come out at that point. He had one uh, posthumous uh, album. But uh, it has been something that I feel like it was later in my life that I actually then revisited his music and kind of connected with it and really love it now mm-hmm. I remember um, Elliot Smith was very was a very popular artist among especially like I had friends who their thing was they were into music you know that they, they were mm-hmm. they that was their small talk that was their small talk and they were into not just into music but like especially and this was a very 90s thing they're into music that you don't know about mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. don't know about this music and Elliot Smith was very big among 
but I didn't listen to Elliot Smith. I like the the first reason I sought it out because I would hear it like on a mixtape. I would hear an Elliot Smith song, but I sought it out because Ben Folds wrote a song to Elliot Smith after he passed away, oh, and really? I was like, "What's the song about?" Oh, it's about Elliot Smith. Oh, maybe I should check Elliot Smith out. And that was kind of how I hmm. got back into. So years later. Mm-hmm. Well, he had, I mean, that's, you know, what part of what inspired me to bring this to the table was, uh, Riley, you were talking about how, or Phoebe Bridgers was influenced mm-hmm. by Elliot Smith pretty strongly. Um, yeah, his first, like, he has, I mean, he had like six studio albums, but he first like hit the mainstream with the song Miss Misery because it was on, uh, oh gosh, he played it at the Oscars. What soundtrack was it on? Um, was it Good Will Hunting? I for you. I think it might have been. Was it? That feels like the right time period. Miss Misery movie. Mm-hmm. Good Will Hunting, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> I like his, his recounting of his... Uh, he didn't want to perform it at the Oscars. He's kind of a, you know, I mean, you, you read his writing, obviously from his music, he was sort of a shy, a bit of a, a trouble, I mean, very troubled guy, but he, yeah. did, he didn't really want to perform at the Oscars. And basically he was told by the label, like, you sing your song or we'll get somebody else to. Uh, so he kind of had to. And he just talking about having to perform for a room of people that didn't show up to see him and how it was sort of like walking on the moon. That it was nice for a night, but he wouldn't want to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> so I could see I that. I can see that. I can <laughs> see that. That would be rough. I think that's an interesting trajectory for a career. Like, very early on, that was one of the, you know, big things that he did. And then had, you know, most of his bigger albums came out after that. But what a weird trajectory. That is a really mm-hmm. weird way to go. And jarring. I'm sure that, that that was hard to deal with, like, from that standpoint. You know, mm-hmm. also trying to, I mean, I don't get the impression that he was trying to chase that kind of experience ever again, but it's, it's hard not to compare that to everything else you do. Right. Right. Um, I will admit I had never heard of Elliot Smith or heard Elliot Smith. I think usually with some of these artists um, that you all bring that I don't think I've listened to. There's usually at least a song or two that I actually have heard. I just didn't know it was that artist. I don't think I'd ever heard any of his music before this really um but i do very much see how phoebe bridgers was inspired by him after listening to mm-hmm. it. i really enjoyed it um for the same reasons and in the same capacity i enjoy listening to phoebe bridgers for that kind of um mellow lyric focused indie kind of music that's that's different from i don't know you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to say it's all it's all different, but, you know, it, it, it doesn't like, yes, it's indie, but not in the way that like there's a formula to some things being indie, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. No, that's true. I mean, because indie is a diverse group of music. Yes. Yeah. And there are a lot of like more mainstream, I guess, popular groups that, yes, do indie music, but it all follows the same similar sort of sound and, mm-hmm. and pattern. And this feels different. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. Said had well you you'd said you'd listened to some before. Mhm. Yeah, I had I had listened to I um like especially I knew Say Yes right away. Mhm. That was probably the one that I knew the best. I think it must have been on mixtapes or it permeated popular culture somewhat too. That was it's one of my favorite songs. And that's also the one I associate most with my my roommate because she had a Say Yes tattoo. 
uh, it was just the words say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I thought that was really beautiful. Hmm. Now, I really enjoy I It was music. So when I listened to it when I was younger, it was like, it was my music to be sad to. It was in my, not the only one, but like, you know, you mm-hmm. had a collection of music that like, this is the music I will listen to when I'm sad. Yeah. Well, you know, it's hard to really, I mean, I feel like you have to talk directly when you talk about Elliot Smith and that that is, that's the role it's played in my life. Like, Elliot Smith was a very troubled figure. He battled with substance abuse, depression, uh, anxiety his his entire life. He, his music feels like just constantly trying to grapple with really hard feelings. And I think that that's the role that it's served in my life is it's kind of like, you know, it's it's the company for those feelings. Like when you feel very alone in those feelings, that's when I can put on his music and I feel a little less alone because even if he doesn't have answers, he's there with me in in those songs, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think there's great value in music. I mean, obviously there's the concept of catharsis, you know, allowing mm-hmm. yourself to feel the thing you're feeling, not running away from it and even setting up an environment, including music that like encourages that feeling. Just feel it. Just mm-hmm. be in it. You're sad. You're down. This is how you're feeling. Just be there. Um, which there's value in that. And then, like you said, it reminds you that you're not the only person to have ever felt this way. You're not the first. You won't be the last. And that doesn't instead of sounding like it, you know, that doesn't make you feel smaller. It makes you feel less alone. Mm-hmm. There's also always been something very touching to me about listening to someone go through the same hard things you have or feel the same not good feelings you felt but make something good out of it in Mm -hmm. the sense that like you're listening to music that is good music that you enjoy listening to that is beautifully written or or tells a good story or has really great you know backing vocals and music Mm -hmm. and all that stuff like being able to make something out of those bad feelings into art i've always found to be inspiring like hey this person felt how i did but look what they did with it Mm -hmm. and that's hard to like it's hard to imagine especially like comparing it to times where i've been really down in my life (laughs) i it's amazing to me that people can make things Mm -hmm. and and taylor you probably are i feel like sometimes you're creating art from that place i don't want to assume that about you but i feel like sometimes you're you're creating art from you know feeling down or negative emotions and i i always think that's amazing because it's not a it's not a skill i have yeah well i mean i feel like it's sort of a it's a a survival mechanism (laughs) you know it's like i have this thing and it's it's too heavy to carry and i can't I, i need to put it down in a in a way that i can i can separate it from myself you know sort of capture it and something and move it away and and that's what i guess maybe that's yeah like with with elliot smith i feel like a lot of his songs are encapsulations of of a of a feeling that maybe he allowed himself to sort of get through by putting that down um Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean that i I feel like when i listen to his all of his music makes me very sad like it's hard for me to listen to when i'm not in that place it's hard for me to just put it on and chill i will go to that place when i listen to his music actually yeah uh yeah, but but I, I think it's it, it kind of makes me sad looking back on it because it's just like this this discography of of struggling. You know, he has so many songs about sort of being like 
left behind or or relationships ending and and you know that like it's just like how like just how lonely and how alone he felt in his music um i don't i mean it just it it makes me very sad but i also think there's a lot of strength there too because he just kept fighting he just kept making music he just kept trying to grapple with these really big feelings and i think i have a lot of respect for that you know mm-hmm. yeah i i know what you mean though i um i put off listening to the music at first mm. <laughs> because i i knew that's where it would take me i was fam- i was familiar enough to know what would happen and it, it was the same way like no i'm I'm feeling good right now. I'm not ready for the. <laughs> I don't want to go to that place just now. I had to wait till I was in a mindset. Was like, okay, I'm ready. I can go. I can go where this music is going to take me. Yeah, I didn't know to expect that, so I was just kind of. <laughs> oh no! I'm sorry. I was just kind of vibing. I was um, making friendship bracelets <laughs> for for your kids and for my friends, and just like you know, braiding the strings and picking out pretty colors and. Then I turn it on the background while I'm making them, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, no. I don't want to make friendship bracelets anymore. I just want to <laughs> lay on my back in the floor of my bathroom and feel. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we probably should have warned you. <laughs> I sh- Well, we talked about how it, like Phoebe Bridgers got inspiration from Elliot Smith, and that's 99% of Phoebe Bridgers' music also puts me in that mindset. So I should have known. I should have thought about it, but... I wasn't thinking. I just turned it on like, do, do, do. This will be good to listen to while my hands are busy. I know. Nope. But it's, I, I did t- kind of take that for granted. I forget. And that's the whole premise of our show. So I shouldn't, that you are so much younger than us. And <laughs> like, hi, welcome to Still Buffering. I mean, when <laughs> <laughs> that's our catchphrase. I forget you're so much younger than us. <laughs> uh, when I told Justin, like, uh, the topic is Elliot Smith. I mean, like, Justin is of our generation, Tay, so he instantly went, oh, I can't with you right now. Like, I'm not listening with you. <laughs> I'm not, because he knew, like, I'm not ready to go. Because, yeah. like, Im- immediately, that's to our generation, like, for the most part. I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm saying it's all just sad music, but a lot of it is, is sad. Mm-hmm. And so, it's shorthand for this is going to be sad. <laughs> it's sad, but it's, I mean, it's deeply honest. I think that's the thing. It's like, when you say sad music, you know, you kind of get this like, oh, is it emo? Oh, it's about being bummed out. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the part that catches you about it. I think it's that in the sadness, in what he's singing about, there's these really heartbreaking moments of hope mm-hmm. or these moments of sort of relief even, you know, like, like, I don't know. I think about like, let's get lost, like a beautiful place to get lost. Like he's singing about an oblivion, but he's so like, almost like, relieved at that thought and that i think that's there's there's a lot of like kind of painful truth about you know grappling with it's not just i'm sad and you know someone broke my heart it's it's like a a much more severe step beyond Mm -hmm. that you know like where is is there a point where an end is released or is there a point that i get to put this down for good and and maybe that sounds like heaven i don't know it's yeah i mean it's it's yeah it's heavy stuff i'm sorry (laughs) Oh, I think yeah. that's what hits so hard about it is that it's someone being openly honest about things that you probably have maybe thought but never, you know, wanted to talk about or be honest about because they're scary, sad things. So you put them away and you don't talk about them, but then you hear someone being willing to talk about those feelings that we probably have all, you know, thought about but don't want to mm-hmm. put out there. And it's like, oh, man, there, there it is. 
there's my my all my worst thoughts in words yeah it's very raw yeah it's very raw and it i mean i think it it highlights the difference between someone singing about being sad and someone singing about depression or right. something you know something like that which is it's a different thing sadness is tied to something i'm sad because you know someone broke up with me depression is another thing that's yeah. not just I'm sad because yeah. I, wow. I kept being reminded of the I know I've mentioned Phoebe Bridger several times, but it kept reminding me of her song Funeral, which is about her singing at a funeral for a kid who's only a year older than her. And, you know, life and realizing like mortality and, and how your life affects other people and stuff like that. And it kept reminding me very much of that song, not just the way it sounds, but in the way that it's about something more than like a temporary sadness from a breakup or something like that. It's about realizing something about life that is inherent and permanent. That's not always fun to realize, but is like real. And I can see that very much how it, how it has influenced her, not just in the style and sound of the music, but mm-hmm. the way to write, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I wonder too, if that for all these reasons, Tate was Elliot Smith, something you listened to like regularly or, like, you dip into and then have to step away from... You know what I mean? Because, like, some some CDs back then, like, they were on regular rotation in my car. And even when I did listen to Elliot Smith, it was not something that I would just, like, pop on when I was driving around. You know what I mean? It was. It, it's a very intentional, like... I wouldn't put it on at a party. You know what I mean? Oh, that would be a that would be a, a party foul pretty pretty intensely. I think. <laughs> I think well, even like a party, even like one of those in- basement on the hill at a party. Like oh, <laughs> oh no! It, uh, even one of those intense '90s parties where people were just no. sort of sitting around having like intense conversations. I still wouldn't have put on Elliot Smith. <laughs> I you know I will say like it was a very kind of creeping uh, presence in my life, and that like when my freshman year roommate introduced me to it, like. She had a, a certain sort of sadness in her that we never really could, like, that was not a thing we talked about. But I felt like she kind of gave me something and said, you'll you'll need this at some point. And that was it, you know. And, like, mm-hmm. as I got older and, and, I don't know, dealt with my own problems, I, Elliot Smith was music that, oh, man, I don't, I don't want to get too heavy, but I feel like when I'm at that place that I don't think I can get out of and I feel very alone and it just feels dark, it's a voice that's there in the darkness with me. And I think that's the power of art, really. It's that he's he's been gone for a long time now, but when I need him, I can still put him on when things are really bad. And he's not going to tell me how to get out of there, but he is going to be right there. And... and sort of make my feelings feel not completely insane, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's usually when I, I, I need his music. It's not, maybe it's not, there are songs I can listen to that I, I enjoy. I think some songs, there are some positive, like Say Yes, I think is a really beautiful, which yeah. is funny because it still has some heartbreaking lyrics in there. It's still about a, a breakup, but mm-hmm. it's a really hopeful song in a lot of of painful songs. So yeah. there are some songs that I have on mixes that are just, you know, they're nice to have on. Um, but some of the, the harder songs to listen to, I feel like I, I, I kind of, they're, they're, 
a bit of a life raft for me. And I can think of, you know, also bummer. Uh, one of the only other people like I've listened to with somebody uh, was an old friend of mine. I, I talked about him a bit on the um, Against Me episode, uh, a friend who's no longer with us. And we used to be able to sit and listen to Elliot Smith together. And we had a joke, like, if you ever listen to too much Elliot Smith, you got to text me because that's a sign. <laughs> like, yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he did end up taking his life and one of the last conversations we we had was he texted me i've been listening to too much elliot smith lately we got to hang out and i said you tell me when buddy i'll be there and then i just you know didn't hear from him for a while and then he was gone um and i just so it's it's i don't know it's now it's weird that i use it as a way out but it still is that kind of connection to the music but also to my friend you know yeah yeah I'm sorry, Tay. Thank you for sharing that. Sorry, I feel like that got that was way too heavy for this show. Oh, I think I think we, yes, we talk about things that were silly that meant something to us that we like, you know, thought were funny or that we goofed about. But I, I think it's also important to talk about the things that are meaningful to us for a lot more mm-hmm. meaningful reasons. And and I think if we're gonna talk honestly about like why Elliot Smith's music connected with you and other people a lot of people so strongly and i mean just the legacy that he left behind i i think we have to talk about those heavy things those re i mean i I mean i think we would we would not be doing his memory justice if we didn't talk openly about that stuff and I, i think that there's a lot of you know for a lot of people not just me there's a lot of shame around those kind of feelings you know like Mm -hmm. it's hard to it's hard to feel that vulnerable um, around people, especially people that don't contemplate, you know, those sort of things. Like it's, it's just, it, it's hard to, to have that conversation, but you can kind of have that conversation with him, even though he's still not, he's not here anymore with his music. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, for me, I, I use it as a tool. I, I, yeah. I, th- I think, I think that's good though. I think it, it's like the story of the guy who's down in the hole. And he can't get out. Have you guys ever heard that story? Sorry. No. And people come by and like throw money down the hole and like pray for him and all this different stuff. And then a friend comes by and jumps down in the hole with him. And he goes, well, now what? Now we're both in the hole. And he goes, yeah, but I've been down here before so I can help you get out. Hello. <laughs> it's a nice story. Now you're fearing up a little <laughs> bit there, <laughs> about this metaphorical guy in a hole no story but that's what you know i i think that's that's that is that that is a good story and i i do think that's what that's what i i don't i don't know if i know how to make work that that inspires (laughs) i don't i don't know if i have i can make work that has hope but i feel like you know i try to make work that says i I, i've been there (laughs) like I don't know if I'll ever get out of the hole, but I can, I can tell you what it's like, and I can tell you that you're not you're not crazy for being there. Yeah. Well, there is something hopeful in that on its own, that you're not the only person to have felt this way, because a lot of times that's how bad feelings feel. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think on its own, that showing people your vulnerability in that is, is hopeful mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Well, and it's so often that you feel like the only things you can share are good things. That's, that's yeah. you know, share your successes, share your triumphs, share 
the, the good things about you, but the bad things you need to hide, those have to stay, you know, shoved down. And that's just not a, especially when you have hard stuff. I mean, that's just not a way to live, you know. E- Elliot Smith had some, a really, I won't go into detail, but like a very, a lot of trauma in his childhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having to, he, he used substances to sort of mitigate his feelings for a lot of his life when he he uh when he died he was actually stone sober and had removed i mean he was on a lot of like psych meds but he was not drinking he wasn't on drugs he wasn't um he wasn't like he was free of salt and red meat i don't know he was like on this fully like cleanse of everything that's bad and that's when everything kind of caught up to him and and that kind of has a that that makes me feel very complex things because it's like you know so often when you're somebody that suffers from addiction you're told that the thing you're addicted to is the problem if you got rid of that that's your thing you got to get rid of that and then you can be a person again and so you try and you do that you're like but maybe the reason i sought this out is because there are these things that i'm not allowed to talk about and they hurt so badly so i found a way to mitigate them that's the problem and when you treat like the only problem is just you do drugs or, you know, you're an alcoholic. So you stop doing the thing and now you're just alone in a room with all the lights on with the horrible things that happen to you. And that's, that's not, you know, that's, that's, you're not going to mm-hmm. survive that. No, I, I think what you're saying is very astute. It's something that um, I, I talk about in like the, my, my job in the work I do a lot, which is we have this sort of societal expectation that like just kind of get your act together, you know, stop, stop using drugs or whatever you're doing, like get your act together and you'll be fine. And that is such a flawed way of looking at things and such a flawed approach to, especially people who have undergone trauma. It's just not, it's not helpful. It's not accurate. And and it's part of the greater push to just like be happy all the time and be okay. We're all pushed to like, be okay get to okay get like don't be sad be happy don't cry be happy which is a very i mean that's something i i fight against actively as a parent don't tell my kids that right say it's okay that you're sad it's okay we can be sad right now we won't be sad forever we'll 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 be happy again but you can be sad right now and you can cry well i think that's maybe one thing that is hopeful and maybe good about my generation and the upcoming generation is I don't think that's as prevalent among a lot of young people not adults not telling them to feel that way I mean the idea that we can share our bad feelings with each other and feel them together I think is a lot more common among young people now maybe than it was when Elliot Smith was writing music Mm -hmm. and when people were listening to Elliot Smith's music Um, not that it's still not prevalent to listen to but I think being open about those things and not being ashamed to talk about those feelings and I sometimes it even gets to the point where it's like yeah we're all in therapy let's all you know we're all we're all there together let's talk about it like we're all we're all not doing great that's okay let's get it out there um I've had lots of those conversations with my friends and and even on the internet sometimes that's kind of the consensus is like hey we're all not doing great what's going on um so I think that's maybe one thing that is getting better not necessarily mm-hmm. among older generations not your olds but you know <laughs> our parents generation <laughs> you know oh, other wait. adults that that still our, want to push that our generation happy. is not there 
Well, that yeah. Well, I mean, because that's what you'd do. You wouldn't say, "Hey, I'm I'm feeling really scary things. I want to talk about it." You say, "Hey, do you want to listen to some Elliot Smith?" And your friend would go, "Yeah, I do actually." And then you'd the the words would fill in the void of the things you don't feel comfortable saying out loud. So that is a yeah. that is a good advancement. It yeah. is. It is. One. Well, I would say even a step away from that. I feel like the way when I think about the way Justin and I cope with stuff and the way we talk about stuff, it's this sort of like sarcastic nihilism is kind of the, well, of course, of course we feel crappy. Isn't that the thing? Yep. We, yeah, haha. Oh, well, that's life, Mm -hmm. which is a very Gen X kind of perspective. And again, (laughs) not healthy, not healthy or helpful to say like, yeah, you're just supposed to feel crappy. (laughs) Haha. That's life. Because that, that sort of like laughing about it is your way of hiding the fact that like, I feel really bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I don't, I I can't say that because I am still in a boomer world where you're not allowed to say, I feel sad. I feel down. I can't, I need help. I can't get out of this. So I just sort of make a sarcastic joke about it. And then we all go, yep, that's the truth. Yeah. Well, and I do really admire that about the younger generations that instead of it being like, hey, you should be happy or or even like if anything's wrong, that's a you problem. Instead mm-hmm. of like pulling back and like, no, look at the world right now. Like, look at everything we're dealing with. Look at how unfair it is. What It would actually be less sane to be OK with this. Mm-hmm. It, would, it would be a sign of you not like like coping well if you if you think that the world right now is something that you could just be happy in a hundred percent all the time like Mm -hmm. i i I think that is absolutely the truth i think that is one thing that i try to keep in mind as i get older because i think you're in danger of getting locked into those ways of thinking Mm -hmm. that you developed when you were younger um that aren't always healthy and and i should say like justin and i talk like that and then we acknowledge that that's not healthy and then we actually like try to move forward and be better <laughs> so yeah. i don't want to act like we don't cope with our feelings i mm-hmm. feel like we're both very good at that i'm getting better justin's better than me well i um, think it's interesting you still frame it as better or being better like it's something that you're doing wrong i think that's interesting cuz you know I, I, yeah I, <laughs> I feel like things like this have been said to me before. You sound like a therapist. <laughs> I, hey, I've been in therapy for many years. <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. I no, I know what you're doing there. I yeah, I, I know this. I know a, this. It's not about being better. It's it's accepting that you're you maybe not okay. It's, it's a but, good step. But better at expressing emotions, coping with emotions, yes. like being open about things. Yeah. And I think it's important. Your generation is more willing to question constantly. And that's something that I try to continue to do even as I age is just because things have been this way, just because we've been told that this is how we should, this is whatever, does not make it right. Like question it, all of it. Question the whole status quo, whatever it is. Question it, question it again. And if it's not working, let's dismantle it and rebuild it into something better. Well, and that's... That's something, you know, there's a lot of, there are a couple songs that Elliot Smith have that well, that reference being quiet and like not making a sound. And those songs always hit me personally because sometimes I feel like, you know, that, that dark place that we've talked about, like that's the, that's the problem with that place is that when you're there, you, you you feel like you're alone and it, there's no light. So you don't know otherwise and you just have to be quiet. But when you speak up and say, hey, <laughs> I'm down here, I think you realize that 
so if if other people answer you, so many more people are down there. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are down there at different points in our life, and that there's a lot of, you know, that that's really the maybe we can't do anything about getting out of it as individuals, but if we if we stopped feeling like you're the only one down there, and that it's weird to be down there, like you know, it's using your voice, it's speaking up, it's recognizing that a lot that there's a lot of reasons why it's it's okay to feel this way. This is mm-hmm. a this is a place that a lot of people end up, and. And you know, maybe we can't. Maybe we can't turn the lights on, but we can. We can call out to each other and comfort each other in the dark. I think that's really beautiful. I agree. Well, thank you for introducing me to this for the first time. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. And I will say that I still think, like, I love a lot of his songs. Uh, I sent you all a playlist, but I do still think that. Like maybe it's because it's the one that I can listen to the most that Say Yes is still my favorite song that he's made because it's it is a it's a reminder, you know. Of of that is probably if you had asked me before you sent me a playlist, I would have also said say yes. I also would say I really liked on the list you sent me or sent us, um, Fond Farewell. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one a lot too. But yeah, I'd say Say Yes was kinda already my favorite. Yeah. Well, and I do, uh, uh, his, I think it was his high school has a plaque dedicated to him and it uses a lyric from, uh, uh, Waltz number two that I really love, which I, I still, I feel like, you know, it, I feel like it was probably a way that Phoebe Bridgers felt. And I think a lot of us feel that that's, uh, I'm never going to know you now, but I'm going to love you anyhow. And that's mm-hmm. very much how I feel about Elliot Smith. Yeah. Well, thank you, Tay. Yeah. I really appreciate you being so open and sharing this. Yeah. Me too. Thank you for listening, and, and sorry for for uh, <laughs> jumping you with a very heavy musician. I, I I should have given you a warning, Riley. I'm sorry. It's okay. I do it to myself with other musicians. Um, well, I should have I should have done my research. You know, I I don't think I would have even thought. I think it's one of those, and maybe this is also poor, to the culture of like it not being the best to, to hide this kind of stuff. But I think I sort of partitioned him off as don't bring that to the table that's a bummer but you you talking about phoebe bridgers i'm like oh this is a way this is a way i can mm-hmm. introduce it. it but that's okay because yeah. it's okay to be sad sometimes yeah as daniel tiger tells us oh okay <laughs> daniel tiger does say that yeah <laughs> good so. i'm glad yeah uh riley yes what's next so I'm going to talk about a movie that we all watched together, mm-hmm. um, Not Okay, on Hulu. It's it's a new one, but it's also very Gen Z. It says millennial, it's very Gen Z, yeah. I think. It is. Um, so I'm going to talk about it. Excellent. All right. Well, I think that'll be a great thing to talk about. Yeah. I think relevant points after this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Tay, is there a way to make... I am about to sound very old. There you are. The playlist. Are you going to ask? Like, yes, I think I shared the, the the Green Day one too. I mean, it's I know all music sharing software is is not the best, but uh, I I made a playlist on Spotify. I think I can share it on on the internet on Twitter. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask if there was a I, way to do that. You can share it from oh the God, Still Buff so Twitter old. probably. Um, but also, I think if you if you can find it, if you use Spotify, you can find me, and it's there too. Either way. Okay. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I still just download albums to my phone when I want to listen to them. <laughs> you still use Apple Music. 
Yes. I mean, I don't Spotify know. Spotify makes them random, and I don't want them. if you... Uh, no, you just have to it. toggle something off. Oh. If you, I mean, if but, you get regular basic <laughs> Spotify, yes, you can always pick the exact song, but if you get premium... I pay $5 a month for my Hulu and my Spotify. And then it's not random. I just listen to the songs I want. I don't. I don't know what supports the artist the best i guess so that's also something mm-hmm. to consider but um i don't i guess i mean if you're paying for every album you listen to to download it that's got to be good for the artist right i would hope that's better yeah i don't know also in the long run spotify maybe you know <laughs> if you want to jump on the bandwagon but i, I want I, the whole i want to listen to it like as an album like i want to I, can, I just downloaded Beyonce's new album and I wanted to listen to it. And like you can the whole do that thing. on Spotify. Well, I, oh. I hate to be that guy, but I, I tend to listen to Spotify to get used to an artist. And then I try to make a point of ordering their vinyl. Hmm. Their so, vinyl, huh? Yeah, that's why, that's why I said that guy. <laughs> <laughs> See, there's there's your whole album. I've got that, too. And on you my Apple play music. and it starts from the beginning. <laughs> that, that makes me feel better. If I listen to something on Spotify, I will give them money somehow. I will buy merch. I will buy a T-shirt. I will buy an album. Just, you know. Yeah. That's how I yeah, get to I know the you. songs. All right. Well, thank you both. <laughs> thank you, Tay. Thank you. Yes, thank um, you, Tay. And uh, thank you, listeners. Um, please, you should listen to Elliot Smith, but, you know, do know what, what you're heading into. It's It's heavier. But hey, if you're sad and you need some company, he's good company for that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Thank you to Maximum Fun. You should go to MaximumFun.org and check out all the great podcasts there. You can tweet at us at StillBuff. You can email us at StillBuff or at MaximumFun.org. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. I am still buffering. And I am too... really figure out how to interact with music on the internet better maybe it's just a little (laughs) (laughs) so i'll go back to napster hey it's john moe host of depression mode a podcast about people's mental health journeys guess who we got guess who it's jamie lee curtis I look at life now as the game of guess who, which is simply the process of elimination. I know what I don't like. That's how I found out who I am. Jamie Lee Curtis on addiction, show business, and fooling people, all on Depression Mode from Maximum Fun, wherever you get your podcasts. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.